The Providence College Friars. Top for the crossover. The Big East. The rest of the college hoops world. Setting the screen. Dunn twisting his way in. This is the Providence Crier Podcast. With your host, a PC grad standing in at four feet tall. He is the Providence Crier himself, Mike Surratt. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Providence Crier Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Surratt, Providence Crier. Follow me on Twitter, that's at Providence Crier. Read our blog, theprovincecrier.com. Join with me as always. We have BOC. Follow him on Twitter at BOC all day. Today is Thursday, March 31st. And the March Madness has ended for pretty much everyone except the last four teams that are in the Final Four. But it ends for Providence on Friday the 25th uh, in their Sweet 16 appearance against Kansas. As you all know by now, PC ends up dropping that one, um, 66 to 61. And BOC, you had boots on the ground, so I guess we'll start with you. Yeah. Kind of give us the whole whole atmosphere of of being down there in Chicago. It was it was awesome. So we went to uh, we got in Thursday night, late Thursday night, and we did some I guess touristy stuff Friday. And I knew I had a feeling that like Friars were going to show out well in Chicago because normally it's a hub for Providence alums anyway and, and families. Um, my wife and I we went out to lunch to get some deep dish pizza, which isn't a pizza; it's like a pie. I don't even consider it pizza, but it was awesome. Um, walk into the restaurant and there's probably 20 other Friars there, and it wasn't like it was planned or anything, and. I said to my wife, I'm like, wow, I think this is a good sign of things to come for attendance. So then we went to, after, after lunch, we went to this bar called the Ogden, which is right near, right near the stadium. And there were probably at its peak, 400 Friars fans. And I'm not exaggerating. The, the bar was so overwhelmed. They didn't know what to do. Uh, and everybody was in a great mood. Everybody was, che- we cheered every time some, a Friar fan came in and booed every time a Kansas fan came in. So it was just a great time in general. Everybody was fired up. And um, the game didn't go our way, but during the comeback in the second half, it really felt like it was the Dunkin' Donuts Center. Like, I don't know if you guys could hear it on, on TV, but the place was, one, even like the Iowa State and Miami fans, there were like maybe 10 Miami fans, but even the Iowa State and Miami fans were rooting for us because we were theoretically the underdog. But there were so many Providence fans there. and we drowned out all the Kansas fans and everybody else. So awesome showing by Providence folks. It's a shame that, you know, the game didn't go the way we wanted to, but I think you can hold your head high because Kansas, I think, is in line to make the championship, potentially win it all. Um, 
so yeah, it was a great, great time. Chicago's an awesome city, really beautiful. Um, and I can't wait to go back. Yeah. Um, so like the United Center is freaking massive, right? <laughs> yeah. We, we objectively may have had the worst seats in the entire arena. We were at the highest level, uh, highest level in the 300 section and we were behind the basket. So it, it didn't matter though. We were just there for the experience. It, we could have been sitting anywhere. Um, yeah. So, I mean, let's kind of just break the game down. I mean, obviously, you know, we've had, we're, we're closing in on a week now, uh, since this thing happened, but PC first half, you know, Kansas in the Friars trade baskets early. And then the Friars just go on an epic drought. Um, and they finished the first half with 17 points. Season low for them, obviously. Uh, I think it might have been like a, a record uh, in an NCAA tournament game. Um, just poor shooting, couldn't get anything to fall. Um, however, the defense did their end of the bargain, and Friars were only down nine. And if you really think about it, I think the game would have been – like, think about this if Remy Martin's not hitting those ridiculous shots in the first half, um, this game's a lot closer and even more <laughs> of a rock fight than it actually was. Um, yeah. But, you know, PC finds themselves down only nine, and, and I felt pretty fortunate about that. Um, it did seem an awful lot like the Creighton game <laughs> at first, um, where just nothing's fallen and, Friars dig themselves a first half hole. Um, however, I, I think at halftime, I mean, I don't know if you, you'd agree if this was your feeling in the arena, but at halftime, I kind of thought to myself, no way, no chance in hell do they come out like they did in the second half against Creighton. Because it's one thing when you have the Big East regular season title in hand, um, you know, you know, you're going dancing. Obviously, you want to win the Big East uh, tournament title, but there's still games to be played after, right? So, to me, with this veteran group, I thought to myself at halftime, there's no way they, they you know, go without a fight here. Yeah. It was – it's funny you mentioned the Creighton game because it felt exactly like that. I was like, we cannot get anything to go on offense. I remember in the Crane game, I was like, it's just not our night. Like, the shots aren't dropping. Um, thankfully, Kansas had a pretty atrocious offensive game. I mean, illustrated by the onslaught they put on in Miami in the second half. Um, it just felt like nothing could go right. And you and I talked about, like, yeah, the comeback was fantastic. You and I talked about you need to uh, out-rebound re- out the Jayhawks, which we didn't. And we need to shoot at least 40% from three to win. We shot 17% from three. And, you know, that's been the story. It's been the story all year. We're just, we're just way too streaky from deep. And, you know, it bit us. Like the, the lack of consistency there and Watson kind of disappearing a bit in the game just really hurt us. Um, we needed Watson to get big against McCormick. And, you know, he, did, he, he was formidable, but um, we needed him to dominate. It just didn't happen. Um, so it's a sad ending to the season, but like I said, it's it's a fantastic season. All the players, the staff, everybody associated with the program should hold their head high because Kansas has that experience, and 
you just got to keep knocking on the door because eventually you're going to knock the door down. And I think this was the start of like a Cooley 2.0 where I think we're going to go on a nice little run here. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's the hope, right? I will say this though, BFC, I did not expect Kansas to, you know, when we wrote that article that we need to shoot 40, whatever percent from three, I did not expect Kansas to be worse than the Friars from downtown. They were only 14% on two of 14. And as you mentioned, um, we did get beyond the glass Kansas with the plus four rebounding margin. However, Friars do have a plus two edge on the offensive rebounds. And I think that was in big part to who else, but big Ed Crosswell all year, man, he's just come off the bench and provided that energy. And he was crucial in this comeback with PC, you know, trailing by as many as 13 uh, in the comeback. He got an off, he got some offensive rebounds, some putbacks, and had one um, hit, hit a couple free throws as well. His energy was huge, and then Crosswell or excuse me, Horkler starts to catch fire from three, and all of a sudden we're cooking with gas, man. And uh, like I, you back to your original point uh, about if you could hear it on the crowd, you certainly could. Uh, it, you could feel the energy of the comeback, and Man, like, I really thought for a second there we might have had him. Uh, Horkler gets a driving bucket at the 550 mark left in the game, giving PC their first lead. Um, and, you know, from there, you get a miss by, by uh, Remy Martin. And I'll go on a rant about Remy Martin in a moment. Uh, <laughs> and then PC's got the ball and up one with the ball about – Five minutes left in the game. I thought it was going to happen, man. Then the charge. Well, so, yeah, let me ask you because it was tough. <laughs> like I said, we didn't have the best seats on, on, in the stadium. So, one, was it a charge, like objectively speaking? Um, well, I, was it a charge? I mean, I thought it was a bullshit call, man. You're going to call a charge 30 feet from the basket? Like, I <clears> – <throat> I don't know, like maybe a what, but like, I just thought it was such a bullshit call. And now I will go into my rant about Remy Martin. I cannot stand this guy. Um, never really had to deal with him, him being in the Pac-12, but watching from far, volume score, you know, was excellent um, at Arizona State scoring the basketball. Comes to Kansas, dealt with injuries, and of course, he finds himself in this freaking tournament uh, just in time for us. But like, this guy plays the game like he's playing a video game, like he's playing 2K or something. Just stupid shots. And that charge was like oh, such bullshit, man. Like, <laughs> that is not basketball. He literally just slammed the B button in front of the dribbler at, at the perimeter and drew the charge. I thought that changed the entire game because Kansas rips off a 7-0 run, and that was pretty much it at that point. Yeah, uh you know, it's it's the perfect call for Kansas, right? But I think more importantly, like the last five minutes, we had some really poor shot selection, right? Like, and we had a turnover too, right? Like after we yeah, gave I the, think, the A1, then we turned it over. Yeah, there was a couple missed shots, and I think somebody screwed up a cut, and Durham, I think, passed to nobody in general. But um, Well, no, he didn't pass on that play. He, he almost traveled, and then uh, – yeah. but yeah, yeah, Reeves – you know, th th that was a play everyone was – but, I mean, at that point, even if you hit a three, no guarantee you're 
going to win the game at that point. Honestly, I think the game was lost once that yeah. charge happened and then the 7-0 run ensued. Yeah, I mean, they have, they have championship pedigree for a reason, right? Self's a good coach. Um, and they just – they took it to us at the end in a way that most teams haven't all season. Uh, so that was pretty crazy. What are you going to do? Uh, I think it was a great season. Like I've said, historic season. Don't let it loss in the Sweet 16. Like, look at all the teams that didn't even make it to the Sweet 16. Look at the teams that were one seeds, two seeds, that lost before then, that lost in the Sweet 16, that didn't advance to the Final Four. It's really, really tough to win in the NCAA tournament. Every team is battle-tested and ready. And what, you know, my, my perspective on the tournament moving forward has changed a bit after this year because – we got the monkey off the back with making the second weekend. We're already there. So now it's just, just keep making the tournament and, you know, illustrated by Miami illustrated by St. Peter's. Like it doesn't matter. I mean, it helps when you're a lower seat, but it really doesn't matter if you're playing good ball, you're going to beat the teams you face. So Providence just needs to build off of this and be consistent. Like we can't have a season where we go 14 and 14 or 15 and 15 next year. Like we need to be another, even when we lose a lot, the transfer portal helps us a lot. And it'll, we need to be another, at worst, a bubble team or, you know, a low-seeded or a high-seeded NCAA tournament team because I think Cooley's got this engine running in a way he hasn't in a while. Yeah, for sure. And we're definitely going to dive into, you know, recapping the season and all that momentarily here. But I got a question for you. Yeah. Had we beat Kansas, do you think we beat Miami? Um. It's easy to say, like, oh, yeah, we would have won no problem after the game. But my, I don't know what Kansas did at half. Like, the second half, Kansas, everybody kind of rem- remembered why they were a one seed, right? Um, Insane. But, they absolutely dominated the U in the second half. I believe it was, like – 47 to 15, I think. Yeah, yeah. The U scores like, less than we did in the freaking half. But Miami's, Miami's got a great team. Uh, McGusty's good. Uh, Charlie Moore's good. Wong, Wong is a good player. Like they had good talent and it would have been a fight. Um, but I would have welcomed that fight against Miami and be able to go into the final four, man. It's such a bummer. I was so, I was so depressed watching, uh, watching Pete, watching Kansas, Miami, and just watching that game being like, Oh God, what could have been? Cause we were wandering after the loss Friday, we were just wandering around Chicago Saturday, like, you know, having beers and just taking in the sights, like, oh, God, the energy would be so much better right now if we knew we were playing tomorrow. Oh, I know. I mean, I, so did you stick around for the second game? Oh, no, we, we got out of there quickly. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like it's one thing if you win, uh, you know, you stick around, scout the other opponent. Um, yeah. But going back to Miami, I think their five-out offense would have given us fits. Um you know, I, I don't think we're kind of built to defend that, that type of offense. However, you know, Kansas really solved that riddle pretty quickly at halftime. So, like, it really makes you wonder. But, I mean, at that point, you, you just say what if, and it, it ends with that. But, yeah, I mean, amazing season. Um, I mean, just think about this journey that, that we went on, VOC. You and I – you know, I went to the opener. I think I went to like 16 games this year. Got a lot of it. So awesome. Uh, I went to the opener, and then you and I did the trip in Newark. And, I mean, 
we get the win off against Northwestern. We're feeling good. We do that podcast where we were uh, a, a little influenced uh, by the beers, but that's okay. Um, a, lot of, a lot influenced. <laughs> uh, but, like, if you told me the season that we would have, like, after that Northwestern game, I, I don't – I still don't even know if I'd believe it. Uh, even, even though we had the Wisconsin win in hand and, and everything else. Yeah, I, um, I, felt, I felt very good about this team. Like, with our bold prediction article, I said I think this is a Sweet 16 team. I really felt strongly about this team, and I thought a lot of the transfers and people leaving early, it was almost addition by subtraction because we have a, a good core with us. And everything you heard preseason, it, you know, there's never a preseason where they're like, oh, God, this team's horrendous. We're going to be a horrible preseason by its nature. Everybody's talking in a positive manner. But the things everybody was saying about how this team's connected, how, you know, they're really one unit, made me feel cautiously optimistic. And they just showed it. Like, you know, Watson may not have had the senior year we all wanted him to, but did we hear him complain once? He probably had, you know, aspirations of being a 20 point scorer, but we didn't hear a single peep about him being frustrated about a lack of touches. He was a team first player. Um, and he just went about his business and the team had immense success. Uh, everybody played their roles perfectly. They knew what they were supposed to do to have success. And there really weren't any egos on the team, which is really tough in college basketball world where everybody's trying to make the professionals, whether it's the NBA or somewhere internationally. So this team was honestly one of a kind. And I think like, the overwhelming sentiment is just sadness that you're not going to see them play again. I know this sounds like really corny and cliche, but this team was just really fun to watch as a, like a basketball junkie and somebody who can appreciate a, like a, a true team. And that's what this team was, which is so rare in like the one and done era. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this team was an absolute joy to watch, um, you know, just the way they went about their business. The fact that when they lost a the game, they really never let that carry over. It, like, they didn't lose back-to-back games all year long. Um, and, you know, th- they were they were dialed in for the majority of the season. Um, you know, the chemistry was great. Honestly, like, even though people were saying that in the beginning of the year, like, oh, like, the culture seems pretty good, like, blah, blah, blah. I, I, I still didn't expect it to, for them to play, like, the way they did. I, I'm sorry. I, I just did not. Uh but, yeah, like, to have a team where, you know, I think they had, like, six or seven guys throughout the year lead them in scoring. Um, it, it wasn't ever about one player, ever. Uh, it, w- it was about the collection of pl- players. And, you know, th- I think they played above the sum of their parts this year. I mean, I, I know it's been thrown around a lot, but that was definitely the case. Um but just so many good moments. I mean, okay, ha- let me pose this to you, BOC. Mm-hmm. Not counting the Creighton game where they clinched the Big East regular season because that's an easy one to pick. Yeah. What was your favorite moment of the season? Favorite moment of the season? Um I would – Probably have to go with the Marquette win at home. That was a really <laughs> nice one. Uh, well, I, you you could say, well, I guess, I guess the Richmond game would probably be my favorite moment. 
Okay. But, like, that, that's kind of cheating. I'll say regular, regular season was probably Marquette. Um, but if you're going to talk in general and we're taking the Korean game out of it, it has to be the Richmond one because we finally clinched the Sweet 16. Yeah. I think for me, I mean, it's a tough question because it's, it was a year of freaking awesome moments from this team. Um, I really thought – I don't know if this is my favorite moment, but the Texas Tech game, that was a battle, man. And when we won that game, that's when I started to kind of buy in here that, that maybe we could be in store for a really special season. Because um, We're not even bringing up, like, the Connecticut win on the road. like That, and that, that was going to be my other one. I, I, was, I had boots on the ground there that, that was – that was awesome to be at, um, especially when you consider, you know, you're starting off the Big East schedule on the road. It's UConn's first game back with fans in the Big East. Um, they were supposed to be up for that game, and we went in there and built the lead and hung on late. Um, that was kind of a theme for this team this year. Uh, I think the most nerve-wracking moment for me had to be the Butler game. Uh <laughs> For PC just has such a good year. And literally, if they lose that game, a lot of it comes undone. Like, you don't know if, if they're going to be able to clinch. They probably don't clinch the Big East regular mm-hmm. season title. Um, it probably hurts their seeding. And who knows what their draw is. Yeah. Um, so that game was, oh, my God. But what a comeback to come back from down 19 in that one. Um, yeah, just such a good year. And kind of – Going back to, to what you said, that it's tough that we won't get to see this group play again. I mean, I totally, a thousand percent agree with that. Watson was such a leader, so so un uh, so selfless this season. Uh, it was all about winning for him. You know, he came into the year, said he had team goals, said he had personal goals, but you know, it seemed like those team goals outweighed those those personal goals in, in his mind. Um, and you even heard Cooley, Cooley in his press game clippings. I think it was like a interview he had with Fana. He said there like wasn't one issue, a team issue all season long. Yeah. And I mean that that's freaking rare. Um, and you got a guy like Al Durham who was a revelation this year. You know, no wonder why the IU fans were cheering him on the, the whole ride because. Just such a good dude um, and a guy that that will literally put it all on the line for your team, man. Like, we saw him on his hands and knees, like, fighting uh, through that sports hernia. Yeah. And yet he still came up with clutch play after clutch play. He was freaking awesome. Um, I Brooklyn. mean, Cooley just hit the nail on the head with every single transfer. Horkler, Bynum. Anaya Durham, like he just has an eye for (laughs) Croswell. He just has an eye for talent. It's, it's crazy. And yeah, it's Durham in one year has been one of the best leaders I've ever seen in Providence Jersey. And it's it's, it's crazy to say in one year. And the fact that, you know, everybody loves him and he assimilated to the team so well, it's just, that's not easy to do. Um, Yeah. It's just tough. It's tough to swallow knowing you won't see this team again because they were like, from a basketball perspective, just like a freaking joy to watch. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, you know, Horkler, his development from when he first came on the campus, um, 
was awesome to see. Just absolute flamethrower from deep, led the team in rebounding. Um, so, I mean, those three guys, Durham, Watson, Horkler, going to be really tough to see them go. Um, Reeves and Manaya, on the other hand, I mean, I guess the door is still open for them. I personally think they're gone. What about you? I think if you're a betting man, it's likely that they're both gone. Yeah, I think they're both gone. But they, but they have – there have been a lot of people who have declared they are leaving college and entering the NBA draft or going pro. There are two folks who haven't done that yet, Mr. Manaya and Mr. Reeves. So, Cooley worked his magic last year with Horkler and Watson. See if he could work it again. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously – I would like both of them back, but at the same time, I feel like, why would they come back? You know, like they accomplished pretty much all you could really ask for in a season. Reeves has been here for a long time. Benai has played in college basketball for a long time. No, no, I I just feel like those guys probably will, will look to just move on, which I'd be, I'd personally be fine with because listen, man, it, they gave us all they needed to give us in one season. Oh yeah, yeah. There's no so, ill will. There's no ill will or anything if they decide to leave. Like, yeah. they gave us one of the. They were integral parts of one of the best seasons in prior history. So no ill will. It's just me being an idiot optimist saying, "Hey, it would be really cool if they came back because you put your you roll out a four person lineup and then you can insert a stretch forward grad transfer up." Bynum, Reeves, Manaya, Croswell, and then like a stretch four shooting big man. That, that team could repeat in the Big East. Yeah, I mean, so the one person that we did hear from, and I guess it wasn't too much of a surprise because Cooley kind of alluded to it, and I think most of prior time really didn't even expect him to leave anyways. But Ed Croswell will be back for another season next year. I'm expecting big things from him. I, I really am. I, I think he's a double-double machine. I already got a bold prediction for next year, PLC. Ed Crosswell will average a double-double next year. Book it. Um, I think somebody shared with me – I tweeted that out. Somebody shared with me his per 30 numbers would have equated to like 10.2 points per game and 9.8 rebounds per game. So we're right there. <laughs> and he gets another year of off-season training. I mean, he – completely transformed his body last offseason. He looked like a different person. And I presume he's only going to get hungrier because he saw the fruits of his labor. Like he was clearly, there were many, there are many, many games where he was the best big man on our team. And he won us a handful of games. And he sees that starting five spot right now. And he's got to be even hungrier than he's ever been because he can literally become an all BDs player. And I don't think that's far-fetched to say. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so a few other things then um, to kind of think about this offseason. You know, the thing with the portal, and it's already up to over a 1,000 people in the portal right now, which is insane if you really think about it, because if you do the math, I believe there's like close to like 5,000 total players and 1,000 are in the portal. Just wild. Um, But what I will say is, the worst part about college basketball is that it when it ends, it ends quickly. And then the offseason is so freaking long, dude. And I, know. I think a big thing 
with this as fans, you kind of got to be patient with all this because these guys have their names in the draft. They're going to go through that process. The deadline for that's not till May. So, like, this is going to be a long off-season process to, to get this team, um, you know, together for next season. So, there's really not a ton we can do. I, you know, we'll get podcasts out throughout the offseason, but obviously they're not going to be as rampant as we were doing in season. But, you know, I think a lot of chips have to kind of fall fall where, where they may, and um, we'll see what happens. You know, look at, looking at UConn, they're losing everyone. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, yeah, well, let's talk about this really quick. So let's say Manai and Reeves don't come back. Where do you think we need to talk – like? So if Manai and Reeves don't come back, let's just say we have two or three extra scholarships. I don't, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head because it's so confusing with this like extra COVID year. Um, so say we have two scholarships. I think you need to find a, a bigger guard in the, in the frame of Durham, and you need to find somebody who can replace Fort Blair. Like, I think Croswell will not be as effective if we don't have a, a, uh, another shooter on the floor. I think we need to find two shooters, two shooters, whether it be a Durham type guard or a wing like Reeves, and then another shooting big man. I think you need to find instant impact starters in in the transfer portal there. Yeah. um, I would love to see a two guard that that can handle the ball and maybe, maybe one, maybe we bring in another point guard, but don't play him at the one, just shift him over to the two. Cause I mean, especially when you think about the tournament, the more guards you have, the better, in my opinion. Um, So, yeah, if if we can land a guy that either is a one or a two uh, that could, um, that could be in that two spot next to bottom as another ball handler that that can attack the basket and all that, that's what you're looking for, for sure. Um, One guy that comes to mind for me, I haven't seen any, reference of this from Providence at all. So this is just me throwing a name out there, but a Tyree Appleby from Florida. Um, He averaged like 10.6 points per game, but he kind of blew up late in the season. Um, He's a point. He's like six, six, three, I think. Um, And he's a point guard by trade, but he only averages like 1.4 assists per game. So you really wouldn't need him to do that. You just put him in the two spot and let him go off offensively. That's the type of guy I would kind of want us to, to, to target there. Um, yeah, shooting big, definitely um, something that, that you'd want to look at. Uh, it'll be interesting to see because I think way, Castro's Hort, a very – Horkler's don't grow on trees, by the way. Like, I'm saying it like, oh, yeah, let's find it. Like, he's a really, like, a rare player in college. So, like, yeah, easier said than done on my part. And, like, the only person I can think that's comparable to him who's, like, torching it right now is Brady Manick. But those guys are, like, so freaking rare to find. So, I don't I don't know if you can find somebody who can replace Borkler, nor do I expect them to replace his contributions. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll give you some names, though. Uh, let's see here. Ben Vanderplas from Ohio. Oh, I don't know if you remember him from uh, two years ago when Ohio with, with Preston made the tournament. 
he decides to return to Ohio, which, I mean, no offense, but what are you doing? <laughs> like, he would have been a big-time target in uh, in the portal had he gone last year. Um, but let me let me pull up his numbers here. Is he a, is he a shooter? Let's see. 33% from three. Not bad for a big. Horkler was like 40%. Well, this year he was. Um, but let's see. I want, them to, I want them to clone. I want Horkler and Manic to have a child and then have him clone him ready to play to next year. Okay, dude. This guy rips threes. He took he took 198 threes for oh, all hounds. That's not a bad percentage, really. Think about it. That's a lot uh, of free, that's a lot of freaking threes. Yeah, and you wouldn't have to take as many of those if he came to Providence. Uh, another big that we can intrigue you with, my buddy O'Rourke texted about this guy. Somebody from St. Joe's. Let me pull him up. Uh, let's see here. So while you're while you're Taylor Funk, out, Taylor who, who Funk from St. Joe's. Six eight big man who is in the portal, um, so that those are two names I'll throw out there too. Again, none of these. To be honest with you, I haven't seen a tweet yet to say so and so is heard from Providence at this point. I know we are reaching out to guys. I'm sure we are, um, and I know weren't we rumored for some two Ivy League guards that we're looking at too? Yeah, there's a kid from Princeton who just. Uh, his name's like starts with an L. Is Lou, Lou, and there's I don't know how to pronounce it, but he's a Princeton guard who just came off a just came off a um, visit from Bama, and then there's another one um, I think from Brown, if I'm not mistaken. Um, let's see, yeah, from Brown, but I think that person may have committed to Florida State or Florida. So. Um, the thing with the transfer portal is like the these these kids have already had for the most part have already had like the flash and like the pomp pomp and circumstance of like the high school recruiting and like official visits. It's more about finding a fit and a need, and these things get buttoned up pretty quickly. So I'm sure Cooley and staff are going to target only a handful of kids, and they're going to act quickly. Like the Dur- Durham and Mania seemed like those commitments came out of absolutely nowhere. Um, right, but you got also got to remember we were also out. We didn't make the tournament, so. Good point. But I do, I do think, I do think we hear about who's going to. By the end of this week, we're probably going to know if anybody's leaving our program. I, I don't necessarily think there is, nor am I trying to insinuate anything. But um, by the end of this week, we'll hear about that for better or worse. And then I think by, I would say maybe by like mid-April, we'll probably know who's joining our joining our team. Yeah, and be sure to follow along with the provincecrier.com. Uh, we'll have plenty of articles and stuff out. And like I said, we'll still be doing the pod over the offseason, but don't expect like a bunch is what I would say. I mean, I don't know. I feel like you feel differently, but. I do. Uh, I do. We, I want to keep this engine going. Mike, Mike wants to sleep. And unlike Rothstein, we don't sleep. We just keep, we just keep turning along. Well, we sleep in May. Uh- no, we, we're not sleeping in May. I go to sleep at 9 p.m., but I don't, I don't rest for the Providence prior. Um, one more name I want to throw out there. A guy that's not officially leaving. Well, he put his name in the draft. 
um, keeping his eligibility. It's not really clear whether or not that eligibility would be for Texas Tech or not. And I'm not talking about Terrence Shannon because he just said he's gone. I'm talking about Kevin McCuller. Uh I do not forget. I will never forget the dap up he gave Cooley when he fell out of that Texas Tech game. I'm probably reading into it way too much, but Kevin McCuller would be a great fit, a great program fit for this team. So uh, did- especially if you lose Manaya, man. He's a guy that's 6'6". He's definitely not as good a defender as Manaya, but he's got more offensive game. Um, Kevin McCuller, there's another also- one. Also, give give quick credit to Manaya. Abaji went had five points and he was what? Let me. I have notes here. Five points. He was two of eight. It's stupid. Manaya's, uh, yeah. Manaya's Freaking Seth Davis, who by the way, really pissed me off at the halftime broadcast. Was like, Province is like out punching their weight class here defensively. I was like, dude, screw off. That's how, that's then, how you. That's how you know he doesn't follow the team at all. No. And then on top of that, he tweets out the other day. He's like. Just like he tweets out there in the first half of the Miami game, he's like, like I, I'm just mystified that that Okbachi like isn't playing well. Like what, what's going on? I was like, uh, I don't know. Maybe I was draped all over him all game. Uh, but but yeah, I digress. But um, but yeah, we'll have plenty of stuff. BSC, let's kind of wrap this up. Final yep. four. Both our cheat teams are in it again. I, I mean, I'm not. I heard not, I heard you were I heard you were rooting for Kansas. Oh shut up. <laughs> not even close. Uh I don't have my pom-poms out for KU, but I do have them winning it in my bracket. So it'd be nice if they, if they could win it. I'm sure you're cheering for, for UNC. Mm-hmm. Um I think I will be too in, in that final four game because I think the way my bracket works, I need Duke not to be in the final and Kansas to be in the final and then Kansas win it in order for me to win. So I, I'm pulling for your heels too, BOC. They're playing, good, they're playing good ball right now. But so, dude, the, the guy that's playing the best ball right now for Duke, uh, Roach, that guy is playing out of his mind right now. Yeah. Um, so him versus R.J. Davis is going to be a blast. And then the Kansas-Villanova game, like, you would think, like, with Justin Moore's injury that, like, Kansas would roll them. But Villanova is just a machine. And it wouldn't surprise me if Villanova still wins anyway. Yeah. No, it wouldn't surprise me either. But obviously that's – a huge blow, dude. Like, I mean, that is. Well, the the problem, if you can critique a whole thing, Coach and Jay Wright, my one criticism would be his lack of developing depth. Like, he always has, like, a really strong six or seven. But if one or two of those players gets hurt, they just don't have any depth to back it up. So, like, with more being out, obviously in a vacuum, more getting hurt is a bad thing. But now they're going to have to rely on, like, Brian Antoine to step in, who hasn't really gotten too too much time this year. And the lack of depth is going to hurt them, especially with those Kansas wings and McCormick against Dixon. It's just not a great matchup for them. Although I will say it must be nice to be like, oh, no, now we have to roll out this McDonald's All-American that we don't play (laughs) in order to help us, poor us. Oh, no. Must be nice. Must be nice, man. Um, Before – also, before we depart, I'd like to announce, given transfer portal uh, comings and goings, I will I'll be playing point guard at UConn. Oh, you will? Yeah, I mean, they, I heard they need one. I heard they need yeah. one. It's great. To they hear. Uh, they've lost <laughs> they've lost RJ Cole, and they lost um, 
Rosemont Dig Diggins, who yeah. was a was a four star top sixty recruit. And they just lost their backup point guard Gaffney. So they have literally no point guards on their roster besides uh Hurley's kid. So here's the thing I'll say about UConn is like Hurley brings in all these guys, and that's good and great. But does he have a plan? I personally don't think he does. Uh, he just brings in all these highly rated guys so he can brag about his recruiting. And guess what? Those guys don't play. Those guys get pissed. Those guys leave. Um, so you want to talk about a team. I feel like UConn had like the exact opposite season of Providence in the sense that they were probably more talented than us. I, I, I'll be a big man and admit that. Um, but it seemed like all year – Outside of Cole, Martin, and Sonogo, nobody's role was defined. And it seemed like those guys wanted more playing time and, and like, managing Gaffney and, and Diggins. And, like, it was a disaster. Um, so, no surprise that now they're getting port. Um, Dude, they but with Transfer Portal, I'm not going to lay any judgment on their uh, – you know, any, any projections for them next year? Because you never know. You can reload this thing pretty quickly. But Yeah, you could certainly reload. But, you know, you lose Whaley. You lose Martin. You lose Cole. You lose their backup Gaffney. Um, I don't know if Polly has any availability left. but No, I think he's gone. You can't lose that many players and then have, like, your stud freshman in Diggins leave. Like, that's their only, their only guard on the roster right now, I think, is – is Hurley's is, son. And and uh Floyd, Corey Floyd Jr. Yeah, who they're who, who the Yukon fans are already hyping up huge things out of him. Huge, huge. He's gonna be unreal, probably a first team all American. Uh <laughs> but yeah. All right. Let's wrap it up. Great season. Loved every single moment of it. Sad that it's over, but happy that it happened. Um that's it for this episode of the Province Crier Podcast. We made 40 episodes, BOC, this season. Pretty good. Pretty darn good. That's great. And I'm going to aspire to make the Crier work even harder this offseason and next season, and we're going to get that to 50 or 60 next year. Yes. Super excited for that. All right. Have a good one, Firetown. See you later. See you guys. Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah. David Duke when I'm way about a hoop, Well, let's take them back to school PC, you know we on go, ayy Feel like AJ Reeves when I'm off that pick and roll, ayy Fall down, bounce back like Emmy Ho, ayy I'm the alpha dog, Diallo They was sleeping on me, that's what made me a savage And he see me bumping, so we gon' let him have it, yeah They don't want no static, we at the top just like the attic This year we taking over March Madness Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah David Duke when I'm way above the hoop, eh? Cross over, I might throw the alley-oop But they sleeping on me while I take them back to school Man up in my city, I'm the truth